Welcome to our podcast, We Got the Nod. A new and bold internet radio show designed for those who are on a conscious path of awakening. We are here to uplift and inspire you, to share practical tools and techniques to assist you stepping into your highest expression as spirit having a human experience. We will get raw and real, sharing kundalini yoga, music, poetry, and mantra, and so much more. Let us open our hearts and minds to our true potential, making the impossible possible, the surreal real. Let's begin. Satnam. This is Hariram, introducing part two of our conversation with Sasha Stone. It's amazing when I listen to the two parts of this conversation, there's so much content that I'm glad we decided to make two parts to this interview. In the second part, which you're about to hear, we go a little deeper into shamanic ritual, shamanic death and rebirth. We speak about Tantra, touching on polyamory versus monogamy, the Alpha, the Omega, Islam versus Christianity and prophecy. We begin speaking briefly on wisdom keepers, ancient sages, and all the mysteries that are about to emerge right now in this profound year, 2021. And, and the importance then to be fully aligned with our own divinity, cutting away, removing any 3D blocks, obstacles that are standing in the way of us each one of us, individually and collectively, coming into contact with the that transcendent state. As Sasha likes to say, we are reconvening the mystical traditions of the old. This is why we speak so much here at the School of Nod about the ancestors honoring the ancient traditions because they are very much with us and, and very much here to help us break through into this new golden era. Sasha liked to say, we're going into a collective death and rebirth. So it is vital that we keep our eyes open, unblinking, that we can pass through this rite of passage awake. Sasha reminds us, do not dull the pain. Do not pick up that bottle. We have to remove any interference again, any filters, and there are plenty out there, as we all know. The mainstream media has done its very best to, to dull the transmissions and to fully distract us from the light. So Sasha is asking all of us to be fully present in this near-death experience, 
individually and together. And then, only then, will we not have to repeat the process again and again. It's a samsara, right? We have to stay on the wheel until we get it, and then we're free. Then, and only then, one comes out of the shamanic death as a superhuman. This is when grace descends upon us. One becomes, as Sasha likes to say, aligned with the Atman. And then we can see the blessing in every situation, every crisis, then is seen as an opportunity. We are just now coming into our true potential as super-sensory beings. What a blessing. Sasha mentions, of course, the vaccinations in very stark terms, the mark of the beast. And thus, it is imperative right now for us to stand in our Christed light. It's represented by Yeshua and Magdalene, the divine marriage within. And then no one can touch us. Then we are, we are above and beyond the, the dark state, if you will, the dark shadow. Shiva, Shakti united, left brain, right brain, schism, mended. True Tantra. I was very touched by Sasha's story about his awakening in 1997 because I experienced a similar awakening at the end of 96. I think this is probably why I feel such a resonance with Sasha. And he speaks about that 23-year period between 1997 and the present being a period of demystification, demystifying everything, demythologizing everything. It's all or nothing. As Sasha liked to say in the interview, heresy is an idea dreamed up by the Catholic Church to prevent us from reaching our own divinity. Thus I am reminded that we must stop looking outside of ourselves for guidance if we want to attain freedom, true liberation. And finally, we spoke about the meek, how the meek shall inherit the earth. The shift is now upon us. It's very real, as Sasha says out to us. The meek are those who are not indentured to false light corporate mindfuck. Meek is not weakness, it is strength. If you bring forth that which lies within you, it will save you. You are only in trouble if you haven't dealt with those fear-based totems within. Reclaim your divine light now. Reclaim it now and shore up your auric boundary. Now let's get to the interview. Satnam. We've had progressive and um, uh, brain trusts. So we've been consulted over the years at a governmental level to come in and look at some weird stuff that's going on. Like, ah! so I'm comfortable with the subject, super comfortable with ETs. And I know which ETs have been, you know, co-opted when by which government and where they've been housed. And I've been involved with the scientists and the people who've been variously connecting to these aliens. It's a fascinating subject. And one could talk about it for weeks. In fact, I'm going to be doing another interview with um, 
uh, Carrie Cassidy from Project Camelot. Actually, I'm going to interview her in a week or so. And I plan to be um, exchanging some of these uh, stories with her because she's met with a lot of the good guys who've also turned whistleblower from the uh, secret space program or what have you. But put it this way, that was necessary in this time of Corona and COVID. It was very necessary that that stuff starts to come up from the basement, basically. The Vatican Library, what's been sequestered there, the Smithsonian Institute, the British Museum, all of these institutions that have sequestered the knowledge, okay? And there's others, as I said recently, I've been talking also about my time spent with the Coptic uh, bishops in, in the desert of Sketis. And these are the guys who, who had the Dead Sea Scrolls and handed them back to the world a few years ago. They've got a lot of stuff underground. I've been into those catacombs uh, with the Coptic bishops. I've seen, it's out of, it's like walking back 2000 years. You're going back into the biblical times. There are enclaves of wisdom keepers. There are enclaves in Burma. I know a man in Burma who's over 1,100 years old. In fact, that was in 2016. So he would now be, he'd be 1,114 years old this year. Fact, absolute fact. Okay. There's also another one in the Atlas Mountains in Morocco who was over 800 years old. And that's testified by the royal family in, in Morocco because that, that, that oracle has been the oracle to the royal family in Morocco for hundreds of years. There are mysteries that are about to surface in the world. Just put your seatbelt on, grab the popcorn, and really enjoy this ride. And that's me. And I'm a coward. I'm terrified of roller coasters. I will never get on a roller coaster. But I think because I'm too attuned to the kind of psychological roller coastering. But don't try and put me on a physical one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look, really look forward to all that's coming out. That's fascinating. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. And just to get back to the conversation on, on Tantra, um, you often speak of Alpha and Omega. And here with our work at the School of Nod, we work often with couples, people helping them either find their ideal soulmate or if they're in a relationship, how to cultivate that sacred partnership. So I'm curious of your perspective on the significance of sacred partnership at this time. You're, you're, you're talking to a dissolute, a dissolute womanizing rock and roller. You know, I'm, I'm too far gone in, in that. I, I love who I love and, and, and the ones I love know, I've, I've, my relationships are, are very, very keyed in, heart to heart, mind to mind, and, and are beautiful and, and very, very connected. And I believe very quantum, which is all I'm concerned about. I, I don't understand the reverence of the um, of of of, of uh, monogamy. I've never understood that. I, I get it as a concept, and I like it um, conceptually speaking. But it's not for me. I'm not a monogamist. I've never been a monogamist. But at the same time, I don't sleep around. I never did in my rock and roll years. I never did. Uh, I was I've, so I've not been in that sense. Um, I'm not a slut. Um, but I, I won't hold to any linear logic when it comes to relationship. And I think, I think for me, it's because I'm connected psychosexually and psychointellectually and psychoemotionally. I'm not traumatized and wounded. As many of my beloveds have said to me, oh, you're not staying with, you know, you can't commit to a relationship because you are, you know, you're carrying a deep trauma and a deep wound. And I believed that shit for years. It's only recently that I really went, you know what? Bullshit. I'm not going to buy that franchise of other women who want me to feel that I've got a trauma wound that needs to heal and they want to be the great healer. No, that's not the point. 
No, I'm able to co conduct multiple relationships. When by multiple, I mean more than one. I'm able to do that with absolute equanimity and, 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 and full capacitance of love. And I'm sure that's not very attractive to some people in my, in my story. And, and it's been a cause of some uh, I, I injury, I guess. But all I, I am is very present in the now. So I don't plan anything. It's not like I'm maneuvering and trying to engineer uh, things. I don't do that. But I'd also say that I'm, I'm evolved enough, psycho-intellectually and spiritually, I'm evolved enough, I believe, to know that I have in the quantum a million wives and husbands and brothers and sisters that I have loved beyond measure. And I, I respect the sanctity uh, and the sacrament connected to all of those relationships in the now. So I, I can't step out of that knowing. I know about the quantum. I know that I'm the center of an entanglement of souls, of marriages, of vows, of covenants, of, of endless, infinite expression of loving and fucking and, and dying and, and, and emerging and reconvening. And it's just a beautiful cauldron of beingness. So why are we trying to compartmentalize life and reality into linear logic and define it in terms of one plus one equals? That this for me is problematic. I really am too connected to whatever progenesis I issue from or cosmogenesis. If I'm Pleiadian, I don't know if I'm Pleiadian or Andromedan or Arcturian or all of them. I don't know. I've got no connection to past lives. I've had the high priests here in Bali come and see me with trans priests and say, who are you? You know, and I'm on good, very good terms with them. But they've said, you know, who are you? We want to know who you are because I do some wonderful works here with them and connected to in this part of the world to the, you know, we, we do important work, put it that way, in, in restoring um, um, hereditary cultural and, 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 and spiritual value. We're, in, we're engaged here, me and, and my crew and my organization. So I've had the high priest coming and asking, who are you? And then the trans priest going to trans, and they tell me, they say, ah, oh, you were the great, you know, Raja of such and such in such an, an, a century, and you brought kingdoms together in this part of the world, which is why you've come back in the 21st century to help from the outside, to help to reconvene those mystical traditions and bring them back into confluence because white man's poison completely killed the taproot of Southeast Asia in the last few hundred years, which is true. So maybe that's true. I'm happy to hear it. I don't have any aggrandized notions of who I am at the soul level. I certainly don't remember being anyone special and I don't think I'm anyone special. But what I do know I am is I know that I'm special. I know that we all are when we're standing in that Atman. And I'm not concerned about my egoic projections because I've died to them in the past. I've seen and I've felt the full death of ego. And I have, I've witnessed that and it's very, very painful. But if you can go through that shamanic rite of passage and you can keep your eyes absolutely entrained on witnessing the experience without blinking once, you are allowed to move into a hyper state, a hyperdimensional state of witness. And for me, it lasted about two weeks and I'm going back to 1997 here, a long time, but that's when it occurred. And that, uh, that two-week linear, two-week period where I was in a completely transcendent state. 
and I was living essentially on the dark side of the moon for that period of about 12, 14 days, human temporal days. And I was able to learn a language there. And, and I, I, I did, I picked up on this ancient arcane language of the spheres and then brought that back to the earth plane. As I was, I was coming back to earth, and I witnessed in pure prophecy and revelation, I was able to witness what was happening. I could see 9-11. I could see all of these different things that were going to be happening in the near future. I saw the schism between Islam and Christianity. I saw that the, 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 the holy wars um, were about to be reenacted in the coming days. And now I'm having that confirmation from cardinals inside the Vatican, people who are telling me it's, they are planning it. They are planning the holy wars, the great jihad in 2021. You're going to see they're going to be throwing so much of their evil witchery at trying to inflame a war between Christianity and Islam. That's going to be the new big thing next year and the year after. Watch it. If we buy into it, you know, at the collective level. But the point I'm making is that going into a death and a rebirth without blinking at that shamanic level, you know when it's happening. And I'll tell you this. Every human being in every incarnation, every lifetime gets the chance to do it. Whether you get into a car accident and you leave your body and you have to regroup and re reformat, sometimes it happens that way. Other times it happens when you move into a psycho-spiritual death. Other times it happens where you goggle ayahuasca or peyote and you take it too far and you, <laughs> you go to the netherland, the netherworld, and you have to come back or die because many people do die that way. Be clear about that. A lot of people don't come back. They come back as lost souls. They get walked into and they're taken over for all time. So there's many different ways in an incarnation of, of enacting and uh, your rite of passage, that shamanic death and rebirth. I'm just suggesting that when you are blessed enough to be in that situation, don't try and dull the pain. Don't reach for the bottle. Don't reach for anything. Go into that rite of passage and just feel the intensity of that flame. Because the more you are able to go through that um, shamanic rite of passage without um, interference or without filtering, without trying to filter it, the more of the beneficence and the blessings you get in, the, in that world and then can bring back into the temporal space. Uh, uh, Credo Mutwa, the great Sangoma of the Zulu nation in Africa, who just died a year or two ago. Uh, Credo Mutwa, um, when he went through his initiation to become a great witch doctor of the Zulu nation, a Sangoma, he had to be buried underground for three days in a cave and eat a piece of an alien gray that the Zulus have, uh, witch doctors have kept. They probably got many of them because there's a lot of underground influence there from. Um, ET bases and what have you, connected also to governments. But those Sangoma uh, witch doctors are required to do this ritual where they have to eat a bit of the flesh of one of these alien greys. Now, this is a, a creature that is, uh, as we did the, the read scalar readings the other day, are operating at 3% empathy. I mean, like these are dangerous little fuckers, you know. You, and to eat of their genetic flesh, they're very, very scarcely ensouled creatures. Uh, we're talking about these alien greys. And, and you eat their flesh, you are going to move into a space-time vector, and you're going to go into some trip um, that is of the diabolical. And it happened, of course, to Credo Mutwa. One of the, there were three of the guys who were doing that ritual at the same time. One of them, I believe, died, and uh, he survived it. 
a credo for sure. He survived it, but he explains what happened in those uh, three days and how he had that pushed him into a death and a, the shamanic rebirth. So there are many different ways of enacting that process. All I'm saying is when it comes knocking on the door to you, do it without filtration. Do not filter out the experience. Don't reach for the bottle. Fall back into that experience and absolutely be present in it. Because if you do, you'll never have to repeat it again. And you come out of that uh, shamanic uh, death as a superhuman. Well, you're quite literally superhuman. There is no angel or demon in the universe that has any thrall over you. None. They will kneel before you. You can walk as a human being, as an actualized human being who has undergone that rite of passage. You are an untouchable. You become aligned with the Atman. You can still be an asshole, incidentally. You can still be, you know, it's not that you turn into a sadhu and all of a sudden you're kind of glowing in the dark. It's just that at that quintessential level, you have convened with the Atman. And now your journey in life is only, an incarnation is only toward absolute reconvention with your divine nature. So it's a beautiful thing, which is why I also suggest that whenever a shitty experience happens to you, whoever you are, welcome that. That is how you're choosing at the soul level to burn off karma and to really accelerate your spiritual upliftment. So if you do stub your toe, fuck you, yeah, uh-huh, agreed, it hurts. But there's a blessing in every single aspect of pain or suffrage. And it is always being governed by the oversoul level. And you want to get in touch with that navigation set of your oversoul. You want to be able to know when you're going to stub your toe. You can do that too. You can start to do that. I wouldn't recommend it. But, but you can get into full alignment with the psionic navigation so that you can see what's going to happen tomorrow or next week, next month. It's a bit spooky to navigate that uh, space. I did it for a while and I was performing so-called miracles. I mean, there's nothing exceptional about miracle performing in this world, which in about 10, 15 years from now, every kid born on this planet is going to be conducting miracles and levitating objects and turning the lights on and off. So let's not get too fixated with this. There's a lot of uh, that stuff in our past and it's just being remembered to us. The more we move through this UV light coding, the more it's actualizing, remembering our super nature and our capacity to bend time and to manipulate um, the ethers and so on. The point is be here now, absolutely in every woken moment. WGTN Guatemala. Today's podcast is brought to you by the School of Nod, International School of Kundalini Yoga, Nod Yoga, Psychodrama, and more. Founded by the dynamic soulmate duo Hariram and Satkirtan, the School of Nod offers unique and transformative online programs. Satkirtan and Hariram have between them 30 years' experience leading classes, workshops, Kirtan and retreats. For more information, go to www.schoolofnod.com. And now back to the podcast. WGTN Guatemala. 
good or ill, be absolutely present. That is, that's why I keep bringing all of this uh, psycho-spiritual um, hoo-ha back down to simple, uh, pure truth and right action in the living now is the path of least resistance to the highest outcome for you. And it's also how you step into supernature and then affect the outcome for those around you. Because a bigger, a bigger field of influence is going to be able to draw a lesser field of influence toward it and affect the outcomes at the collective level. And we, each of us have a duty of care in a sense to do that, which is to become the highest oscillation frequency, you know, that we can possibly be. And I tell this to many people who are fathers who are contacting me for the last few months and saying, you know, they're, they're needing to get their, their kid, trying to get custody of their kids. And their kids are being vaccinated by the mothers. This is a real problem. Huh? Millions of people are suffering this way because the father knows that the child must not be vaccinated or the mother knows the kid mustn't be vaccinated. But because the kid is caught up in some shitty little familial internecine war that's going on, you know, a divorce settlement or whatever, the mother vaccinates the kid to get back at the father or vice versa. And I'm saying to these parents, don't fret about it. Your kid is five, seven, nine, 12 years old. Your kid is fine until the kid is 18, 19 years of age and becomes an adult and actualizes as an adult. Until that time, their linguistic wave genetic form is connected to yours. Absolutely. So you as the father can affect your child from 20,000 miles away as long as you're not freaking out. As long as you're stepping into the geometry of now and you're knowing that your empathic waveform connects you indelibly to your child. And you can, through your transcendent state of being in the now, you can resonate and radiate that frequency bandwidth to your child. And if they're being injected, you can override that protocol with the empathic wave. So this is the kind of alchemy I'm talking about, that each one of us is able to enact and embody and manifest in the world even now. But after 2021, after next year, as we spin toward the great event horizon of the vertical ascension, that power and that capacitance is going to be increasing incrementally. Now, let me bring this, because we're running a bit out of time. Let me bring this down to, to earth. That is why you don't want to get a vaccination. That is why you say no to the mark of the beast. That is why you tear that fucking mask off your face. That is why you do not acquiesce and obey under any circumstances when Satan and his minions are standing over you with their dream spell. And they're trying to coerce you, manipulate you, traumatize you into coercion, into acquiescence. Do not fall victim to that because it's only an idea. As long as you're standing in that Christed light, they can never, ever, ever do anything to harm you. It cannot happen. It's only when you believe that they can harm you that you acquiesce and abnegate your own power. And in the abnegation of your power, you actually create the hyperdimensional, no, not even hyperdimensional, you create the permissions for them to transgress, to, to, to walk across the line. So know that you, that, that again, just going back is why I keep saying Alpha Omega. Sorry for being so long-winded. And the true Tantra, the true Alpha Omega is that marriage of hemispheres within actualized self. That's the Shiva and Shakti. That's the true dance here. That's the true uh, orgasm as well. Is once I've brought those two hemispheres into phase coherence in the now, 
and I've married the left brain, the right brain, the Shiva, the Shakti, the, the mother, the father, the unresolved aspects of self, and that schism is mended, and I'm standing in my power, that's where the Christ of light emerges. So that for me is the true Tantra, is when we are standing in that orgasmic bliss internally, unshakable, unmovable, and ineffable. Beautiful. Yeah, well, I know we're about to close, but maybe the last thing, I mean, because the Alpha and Omega that you speak about, Sasha, it could be defined in terms of this, this now, this zero point, as what I like to call uh, active waiting. Yes. The male aspect is the active and the feminine waiting, bringing those two together. And, and I wanted to touch on this beautiful analogy that you spoke of, like we caught in another interview recently about the passing a camel through the eye of the needle, yeah. bringing the needle towards the, you want to say? Yeah, well, I was just riffing and I was riffing because, because I just wanted to, I wanted to demystify. I want to demystify everything because it's the mythologizing and the mystification of stuff that has really caused us to be enchanted and bewitched and dream spelled and mind fucked. The minute we demystify and demythologize all of that hoo-ha and bring it down to here and now and me as the Adam, I am Moses. I part the Red Sea, baby. I am Noah. I lead humanity to salvation on my ark. My ark is built out of pure truth and right action and the temperance of love and spirit and beingness. I am all of those archetypes, so long as I'm in the Atman. I know it, I'm the Magdalene as well. I am the Sophia, I am the great wisdom keeper. I'm no longer looking extraneously or externally to any of the totems or the icons. I'm not looking for the Redeemer because redemption has already arrived. Redemption arrived the day I kept my eyes open in that shamanic death and rebirth. That was the redemption. That was the great absolution. That was the great beneficence, the great blessing, because that was me owning the Alpha and the Omega and being reborn within that vibral light. And then moving forward, for me, that was a long time ago. That was 13, I mean, 23 years ago, a long time ago, 1997. Yeah, it's a long time ago. So I've had 23 years experience at refining that irreverence that, and my irreverence is born out of my capacity to demythologize and, and demystify mm -hmm. reality. So I brought Gautama Buddha down to a little fat effigy of a Buddhist monk, you know, ambling towards me on a little, little lane, a little, little pathway. And as he comes up to me with his sweet little cherubic face, I pull out a sword, I cut his fucking head off. Now, why? Did I do that? I did that because that is the highest teaching of the Buddha, which is if you find the Buddha on your path, kill him. And understanding that as I do, I've decoupled from the myth, from the totem, from the symbol, from the idea, from the projection, from the plasma projection, because that is not the Buddha. The Buddha is the archetype within me that is constantly smiling and laughing and rocking back and forth and only basking in the eternal, is a uh, light of, 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 this, of the universal sun. And that's the Buddha. 
and I'm one and the same. And Isa bin Maryam, the great master Jesus, the great, uh, the same thing. If I met him on the path, I'd yank his beard and slap him because I don't want the master to exist out there as an extraneous 3D object. That to me would be a repugnant notion. It would also be antithetical to the messaging of the master Jesus, who I happen to love enormously. So allow me, if I may, to also become aligned, fully phase coherent with the master Jesus and own that. It's okay. There's no heresy there. That is owning. Heresy is an idea dreamt up by the Catholic Church to prevent us from reaching our divinity. And you see, we've had thousands of years of that. The, the third party intercessionary, which evolved from the Catholic Church to becoming governments, to becoming, you know, the United Nations, becoming, uh, you know, kings and, and presidents and prime ministers and parliamentarians and congressmen and, and then uh, Supreme Court justices and then advocates and attorneys and teachers and, and lawyers and, you know, all of these intercessionaries and doctors and nurses, for God's sake, public health administration, ah, you know. All of these goddamn intercessionaries are the Catholic Church made manifest as bad totems because we are not resolving those external totems. We're not accepting that we are those icons, that they exist within us. They're nested perfectly within the geometry of the Atman. And that, for me, is the importance of the camel through the eye of the needle. It was me bringing the needle to my eye and then seeing a camel pass through it. It's always, that was the riddle. I worked it out. I didn't read that anywhere. I worked it out. That it was a state of perennial witness in the living now and being actualized and also having a, a, a good sense of humor that we can demystify these great riddles and then move on. Because so long as we think that the, that the, that the I Ching knows something more than we know, or the tarot can tell us something more than we know, or that the great vizier steering into, steering into, the, you know, into the crystal ball knows more than we know. So long as we think that there is some external agency that knows more than we do, we're subjugating ourselves to that idea, to that meme. This is dangerous. No. I don't want to see any scrying. I don't want tarot. I don't want any of that stuff. I don't want any of those disciplines. I simply want to work in the alchemy of now, in the living moment. And that's that. Well, thank you, uh, Sasha. I love how you always yeah. bring it to earth <laughs> for us <laughs> and really ground these abstract ideas and spirituality. It's all happening now. Everything's spiritual. Yeah really help to ground that bridge well i mean let's see how many of us uh, plummet to the ground i mean as we move into this very real period this very real shift that is happening because i'll tell you that the that this is the whole uh, you know the whole narrative of the meek inherit the earth who are the meek the meek by distinction and by definition are those who are not indentured to false light to those who have not bought to, into corporatocracy or the, or the oligarchy of, of power or the systems and the, and the enthrallment of, 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 of celebrity and power and, and fame and all of that stuff. So, you know, all of our icons anyway are collapsing. So whether we're talking about United Nations bosses or, you know, kings and queens, the Queen of England is hardly looked up to in the way she was 20 years ago, 50 years ago. It's like, 
is a desperate old woman with a handbag who must be rather hating her incarnation around about now. You know, and, and that's beautiful because that's the humanizing of these stupid moronic archetypes that the collective plasma projection of a lot of stupid humans have maintained those myths. We're the ones who manifested them by allowing the life force to be harvested from us to prop up those false notions. Great, now we know that, let them plunge to the ground, including our new, our new earth, uh, forgive me, new earth, leave the new earth alone, uh, our new age uh, acolytes and teachers and uh, false, false prophets. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of them out there, a lot of them out there. If I, uh, again, Sash, if I may, if I may quote one time more, the the the, prof, the true prophet Yeshua, we has come up a number of times. Just if you have anything to say on this, one of my favorite sutras when he said, "If you bring forth that which lies within you, will save you; and if you do not bring forth that which lies within you, will destroy you." I think that's wonderful. So uh, just to bring that into modern speak and into 2020 speak, um, those of us who are believing in the uh, iconography and the totemism that's out there with the public health administration and the governments and the police state and the tyranny and the injections coming for you and the tasers and the guns, um, if you are believing in that stuff because you have not resolved those, those uh, uh, um, totems within, external. You see, it's only because we have unresolved aspects within that we project them into the field. So for those people who are genuinely afraid of being had by a taser or a gun or being frog-marched off to some quarantine and then disappearing into Guantanamo Bay or one of those you know, hell holes that are being set up for the mass culling. Is that all true? Yes, it's variously true. I could speak about that for hours, incidentally, about the new world order and the apparatus of evil that's been set up. Yes, it's real in the sense you can actually manifest that for yourself so long as you are projecting fear and pumping your life force into those fear-based totems. On the other hand, when you withdraw pumping fear life force, plasma, your, your divine light. When you stop allowing yourself to be a utility of the lower astral realm, who are subverting your, your life force toward those uh, totems of evil and wickedness, then you reclaim that, that divine light and you, you shore up your auric boundary and you become complete and replete within your radiance and your life force moves into a biofeedback so you are now receiving Christ at light. And it's, 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 it's alpha. that's true Alpha Omega as well that we're talking about here. So again, that's a, that's a choice. So yes, that, that saying of Yeshua, uh, thank you for that because it's very, very beautiful and it's very, very um, timely for us to be speaking to that right now. Because if I'm gonna push unresolved aspects into the field that I believe are gonna hurt me, they will doubtless hurt me. On the other hand, if I push into the field only my creative, affirmative, expansive projections connected to heart frequency and above, which is the imagineering realm, and I, I elevate art, beauty, and consciousness into the field, because that is my will, and my will be done, because my will is in perfect coherence with thy will be done. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, <laughs> Sasha. Lovely talking to both of you. <laughs> so lovely talking with you. Thank you. Once again, we extend our deepest 
thanks, our gratitude to Sasha Stone for taking this time with us. On behalf of Sat Kirtan and myself, much love and blessings to you, Sasha. Your work bringing truth and justice to this planet. And we hope sometime in the future to have this opportunity again. So thank you for tuning in. Satnam. We thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe so as not to miss a single episode. We depend on you, our listeners, to build and expand our audience, to share the nod. So, if you like what you hear, please do not hesitate to share with your friends, family, and community. Sat now.